Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Here we are in our own little studio. I'm, I'm so excited to be sitting uh, this afternoon with Cynthia Germanata. Um, we are in New York at uh, 30 Rockefeller Center um, to celebrate and learn more about the Share Kindness uh, Foundation. And um, I, uh, I feel very honored to be sitting here with you today because I think your um, intention to make a difference in the world for young people is extremely important, and um, the more people that are that are doing that, the better. So I welcome you to Women to Watch. Thank you. Uh, I'm very honored to be here and um, excited to have the opportunity to talk more about our work. And, and of course, as we always do on Women to Watch, my show is really about you, my guest, and um, you happen to be the mother of Lady Gaga, and we can't do an interview without stating that right off the bat. Um, but I'm very interested in, in you and your life and, and where you came from that kind of was the beginning of, of everything, you know, your family and, and the raising of your two daughters. So I thought we would start with your growing up years in, in West Virginia and um, just tell me a little bit about your, your family and, and what it was like those early years. Sure. Um, I was born and raised um, in West Virginia in a very small town called McMeckin. It was 1,700 people. And it's small. south of Wheeling and maybe 50 miles from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So more people might understand geographically where it is. It's called the Ohio Valley. So uh, very small town, uh, very simple life, you know, at that time. Um, it was in the middle 50s, you know, when I was born. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a brother and a sister. And, you know, my mother and father, we, we lived in, it was a very small house, actually right on the Ohio River. And uh, had the kind of childhood, really, that was simple, but we were exposed to things, you know, in spite of some of the limitations that my family had, because neither my mother or father um, came from... Um, you know, they had a simple background, mm -hmm. I should say, okay. and, yeah. and, and education-wise as well. I mean, both my husband and I were the first to really, you know, graduate from college. Okay. Yeah, so we, uh, we had a simple life. It was the type of thing where, you know, everybody's neighbors and friends and, you know, says hello. And right. uh, I, I did basic things that any child would do, very traditional upbringing. Um, but I will say with the exception of um, music and creativity and dance, which was a very strong in our family, and it was a multi-generational thing. So, you know, my father had a tremendous voice, and he studied voice for years, was a local performer. The same with my brother. My sister got involved. Um, I studied dance from a very, very early age that I continued through college and beyond, uh, even in New York when I when I came here to study. So there was uh, a, a musical component and a lot of creativity that my parents fostered uh, and enabled us to do. So it's clearly in, in the DNA and in the family and, you know, has continued 
Yes, it's, it's actually, and it's in the DNA on both sides, I would say. My oh, okay. husband um, studied piano. Uh, he was in a band, you know, played guitar. Um, his sister, uh, who's who passed, unfortunately, at a very early age, but she was a very, very creative artist, um, at both as a writer, uh, painter, you know, drawer. Mm -hmm. So both sides there was an element, but as I say, it, it came out in this particular generation for right. whatever reason. Yeah, it's a yeah. wonderful it's a wonderful gift I think for any person to have music or creativity or art in, you know, as a gift because it's something you can carry with you, you know, till forever, you know, it's not one of those things that that you have to stop doing when you as you age, you know. Well, true, and I think, you know, I feel that many people look at um, some of the performing arts as a hobby when they're young, but whether you pursue it or not, you carry so many things with you throughout your life. There's a lot of discipline, discipline associated with it, mm -hmm. um, you know, learning, branching out your mind. So um, I think it's wonderful whether you pursue it or not. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate of uh, having performing arts programs in schools. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I read that you've said that, that your mentality as a family is to be strong. And I wanted to know where that strength in you came from. And you talk about, you know, kind of a simple upbringing. Um, but I always feel that, you know, we all have different levels of resilience and, and strength. And a lot of times they're shaped by our life circumstance. Right. Can you pinpoint something about your life or upbringing that really helped to shape the strength that, that not only you have, but you've passed on to your daughters. I, I definitely can, and I have to say that it came from my parents, and I would say the same for my, for my husband. Um, they worked extremely hard um, because they loved it and because they wanted to provide as good of a life as possible, you know, for their children, but that was very inspirational to us, you know, to watch it and to see it. And we, too, became that way, you know. So it's, you know, and if I think about my mother in particular, um, she had a lot of struggles and sacrifices as a, at a very, very early age, starting as young as the age of 11 years old. And just through, like, true grit uh, and faith and perseverance, she made it. And as did my father. And then when they came together, they created, you know, something great. And they, they had a very strong fabric in spite of uh, the obstacles that they faced. And, I, you know, I talk a lot about in everyone's life, you come to a fork in the road. You know, we all have a situation where you could take a good path mm. or you could go down a bad path. Mm -hmm. And they went down you know, a path that ended up being good for them. Mm -hmm. And we, we saw a lot of that happen. So yeah. that, that to us, I think that, that really made us strong, you know, yeah. and, and gave us a lot of faith in, in our abilities to also achieve. Uh, now, now it happened in a different way because I ended up, you know, uh, I, I went to school at West Virginia University, graduated there. I went on to graduate school and got my master's at GW mm -hmm. and then came to New York. But you continue, you know, with those values and still right. that, that perseverance and strength. And 
uh, we carried that through with our children and um, hopefully have instilled that in them. Yeah. We like to say um, we come from good stock. Good stock. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what the Irish say. Okay. That's, <laughs> well, uh, that's what the Italians say, yeah, too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, well, in you know, speaking of that, um, I wanted to know if they're raising um, Stephanie and Natalie as a mom, was there a mantra? Because I find, you know, as mothers, there's some, your kids will say, my mom always said, you know, A, B, C, D, or A. Um, was, there, was there a mantra for you with the girls that, that they would say, mom always said this? Well, in her song, Born This Way, <laughs> song, yes. she said, my mama always said, you know, said we were all born superstars. So yeah. I, what that really translates into is that I, I often told them to believe in their abilities, mm-hmm. you know, and to, and to follow right. um, their passions. Right. So I, I would say if there was any mantra that, you know, that was maybe it, yeah. to believe in yourself and be kind and be compassionate. Right, right. And I, I would say the other was one day at a time. You know, because when you're young, there's a need to very quickly want things to yes. happen, and life is not like that. That's right. And you know, I, I think everybody gets frustrated, but in particular, young people, success doesn't happen overnight, no matter what field you're in. Yeah. So I would often say to them, one day at a time. You know, keep your head down, stay focused on the path, and just one day at a time. I think that's such an important message because in today's world in particular where we are able to do things so incredibly quickly, it makes us impatient. You know, um, Very just much so, yes. you know, the, the technology and the internet allows us to do things, checking off lists and you know, that's a whole other issue about young people today. They they really have grown up in an era where um, it's hard to be patient. Right, and it's right. hard to um Well, they don't find the time to just sit and reflect, Mm -hmm. plan, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, about their future. So I I agree with you, and I hope we can figure out a way to um, have young people take a pause and and do that. Yeah. Well, we're having the conversations. I think that's the first step, always, awareness. Yes. Right? Um, I saw in an interview with Oprah um, that you said to her, she asked you about, you know, parenting, and and these are some of the things I think with regard to the foundation, we're trying to help young people, and we want to say the right things, because they typically will um, go to their peers for advice over, you know, adults, Um, and you said, you know, be more, if you have a child that's going through a difficult time emotionally, um, be more aware and insert yourself into your child's life. And I wondered, how do we do that without being intrusive? There's a fine line. I was just going to say it's a very delicate balance. And, you know, I struggled with that, quite frankly. And I think I still do. Um, of trying to determine when to jump in, you know, when maybe something has gone too far. Uh, how to tell the difference when a teenager is going through just normal biological growth mm-hmm. and maybe having a serious neurological issue mm-hmm. or you know some health or mental mental health issues. So I've struggled with that. So I, I think part of it is better education on the part of the parent, and I feel also working in tandem with the schools 
Um, we care a great deal at our foundation, at Born This Way Foundation, about uh, something called social-emotional learning. And, and it's basically a whole discipline around understanding uh, and regulating your emo emotions and your feelings. And it's something that you can actually learn. And I think with schools playing a part in that, with parents keeping a watchful eye at home and then communicating, you can catch things mm -hmm. you might not normally catch mm -hmm. on your own. And um, I mean, I, I, I know I made lots of mistakes. I used to tell my kids, look, I, I didn't get a manual with you. <laughs> they sent us home in the hospital. They sent us thing. home with a couple of diapers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so right. please be patient. I, I am going to make mistakes, you right. know, and we did our best. And, you know, one thing we did as a family is we, we had family meals seven days a week together mostly home cooked. I mean, there well, might that's a that's a yeah. tremendous thing you did. That's the best thing you could have yeah. done. I mean, yeah. there might have been a pizza night or there might have been a Chinese food night, but basically we cooked. But the the reason I bring that up is it gave us some time to actually talk mm -hmm. and find out how their day was. Uh, we would occasionally role play some situations if they were in trouble. But once you once they go back to school, you don't really know what's going to happen. And that's mm -hmm. why I make the point about, I feel that the home, the parent, the community, even their extracurricular activities have to work in tandem yes, to right. help young people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the foundation, um, you know, is, is talks a lot about bullying. You know, that's something that's very much in the news and very much a topic of conversation. When I think about my own, you know, upbringing, I think we were so free as children. We kind of ran around the neighborhood. Nobody was watching us. Right? Same with me. Right? Yeah. It's so different Playing today. Tag, climbing trees, whatever. All, yeah. It was all, all imagination. That. We had no, you know, gadgets, right. tools. Yeah. We didn't. And, I, you know, I miss that. I think it was a wonderful way to grow up. Um, but so we were certainly kind of out there on our own. And there were moments where, you know, other kids were not so nice to myself, my friends, my brothers. Um, and they do stay, those moments stay with you. Is there, was there a time that you were bullied that you remember that stays with you? Me personally? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, for sure. Any, any one particular that was just really, you know? Um, there were times I was taunted about my appearance. And, and I, actually, that's a very interesting question because it ties to some research that we've done that the number one reason that young people are bullied is for appearance. And I just kind of connected the dots. And, you know, I, even though we didn't have a lot, you know, I was allowed to buy clothes twice a year. And I really treasured those. Mm -hmm. And I liked to look nice. Mm -hmm. So I would sometimes get taunted for that, sometimes get taunted for, like, my nose or something. And it, and it was hurtful. Whatever's different. Whatever's different Whatever's about different. that person. Mm -hmm. And I... I I danced, so I wasn't always involved in extracurricular activities at school. I would do my studies and leave and go to, go to dancing school. So I, I was a bit different myself. So yes, I experienced it. The difference, though, is I could go home and escape it. Now it follows you everywhere. That's right. You know, you have social media. It follows you at, ho at home on social media. It's you really can't escape it. It's not as easy 
yeah, uh, as when we were growing up. It's true. It's true. It's over. I, I, I feel bad for kids growing up in today's world for that reason. It's right. overwhelming. It's overwhelming, Incredibly and there's so many places where cruelness and mean acts can happen. Right. And sometimes they're anonymous, which must be even worse because you don't know where or why right. that's coming from. That's right. One of the things that the foundation has done is partnered with, with Yale and their, um, is it the Institute for Emotional Quotient, EQ uh, uh, yes, Center? Yes, it's the Center for uh, Social-Emotional Learning, yes. for Emotional Intelligence. I, I think uh, I'm fascinated with the whole topic of EQ because I think that young people in particular need to know how important their EQ is versus their IQ, intellectual quotient, so yes. that when you have the empathy and the ability to connect with people, that can lead to more personal and professional success than an IQ ever, right? Tell I, me, yeah, tell me about this partnership. Absolutely. What, what, uh, so the, the what partnership um, a couple of years ago was around creating a summit for uh, for. Uh, it must have been some 400 uh, young people, parents, teachers, you know, educators. We all came together to discuss this concept mm -hmm. uh, of social-emotional learning and standardizing that, I would say, in schools. I mean, rightfully so, schools focus on what they call STEM, mm -hmm. science, yes. technology, engineering and math, right. which are vitally important. We need more girls going into we STEM. We, we definitely do. We do. Yep. But I talk about putting the STEAM in STEM, so that would be the other E, the, oh. the E, or the, which is the emotional yeah. intelligence, you know, part of it. Yeah. These are lifelong skills that, you know, uh, help people get along better. Uh, it's proven that young people, they perform better in school there are reduced instances of anxiety uh, and other issues, mm -hmm. uh, having gone through social-emotional learning and training, and there's increased success. They, do, they perform better on tests. So it's, it's really a vital skill that has kind of fallen by the wayside. And there's, there's a, a, a lot greater spotlight on it right now, which I'm very, very happy to see. Uh, there's a number of curriculum out there to choose from, mm -hmm. um, but I would really love to see it become um, a standard. Put that STEAM in STEM it should, and yes. have it become a standard course. Yes, and I, yes, there's never been enough emphasis on it, the importance of it, and it, it's critical for very much for so. just you know well-being, right? Yes. Um, I, I, one of the things when I was uh, reading about. Um, the Institute and what they're doing, one of the things you learned, I think, um, that young people prefer receiving mental health services online via texting. And I thought to myself, is that, that's the way we have to reach them, but does that defeat the purpose of teaching young people to connect on a human level and how, you know, I'm, I'm conflicted about that, I guess. Um. I am as well. It's a complicated issue, but what we did find that I think is encouraging is that it's age-based. So um, at our foundation at Born This Way, we, we do research. We also partner with organizations that conduct research. And what we learned is that the younger that children are, they prefer to text. As they get older, they are more inclined to either call a hotline 
you know, actually dial and, and speak to the person or sit down one-on-one, -on -one, perhaps in a therapy situation or what have you. So there is, you know, hope that the older they get, um, that you will have that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Interaction. Right. It's something that I loved a great deal about my daughter's school, uh, school where they, you know, grew up, spent K through 12, really, in, in this school, is that when young people had an issue, they, um, they kind of brokered them sitting down together and talking it out. And to this day, that's a skill that both of them have, is they don't like an issue to fester with mm -hmm. a friend or with me or with their father. They want to hash it out and, and move on. And I think that's a great skill because when you, when you bottle things up, you know, when it is anonymous, as you say, you can misread texts and, and everything. There's no tone. To there it. is no tone at all to it, so you can really misinterpret it. So um, I don't, and I, I say a lot that kids live online, but love and support doesn't. So I feel that the, the personal element of looking someone in the eye mm -hmm. and talking and knowing that you're valued and somebody cares about you is, is irreplaceable. Yeah. And we advocate for better access to those types of services for young people, you know, in schools and in their communities. Right. You know, um, when I think about you as a mom to, I'll say, Lady Gaga, and she's clearly a sensitive soul, you know, on this earth, um, it's hard for parents when their kids go out into the world and, and you know, they're sad or someone says something that's not, not nice. So you have this daughter that's really given herself to the world through her creativities and, and her gifts. How, I'm, I'm wondering what your, what your own coping mechanism is to not worry so much, you know, when you're, you, when you're lying in bed at night and you're thinking about her putting herself out there and how hard it is for her. I haven't cracked the code on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, I have not. I guess it's once a mom, always a mom, right. no matter what the age of your child. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to get better at it. Yeah. Um, but it is difficult. And I think the older your children get, they need you more emotionally. And especially kind of at the level that, that she's at. Right. It's, um, right. You need, it's amplified. It's her. amplified. It's so amplified. Yeah, yeah. You need someone to, to talk to. So um, my coping me mechanism, I mean, I, mean I, I try to do some self-care for myself, you know, whether that's working out or... Mm -hmm. But I think the best thing, and, and I have had to turn to, you know, to therapy before and talking to someone myself. Yeah. Um, I think when parents are in that situation, it's helpful to maybe find a safe environment with a trusted confidant that you can talk it through with. Mm -hmm. um, and I go back to if you bottle it up, it starts to affect you. But, you know, as moms, we want to solve our kids' problems for them. Yeah. And that's been maybe the most difficult thing for me to let go of. Right. Is that we can't always do that for that's them. Right. They won't grow, they don't mature, and so I'm really is that's been something that I've I've worked on. Yeah, we continue to work on it. We and continue I, yeah, to, yeah. I guess you can never live in the world this world without worry. We can't. We can't. 
So if I crack the code, <laughs> let me I'll know. I'll let you know. <laughs> and if I do, vice versa. <laughs> exactly. I will. I've been working on it. Um, so another thing that we talk about a lot on the show, because uh, it, it's, it, again, women that are working hard and out there trying, we're always trying to save the world. Women do that, right? Um, the topic of finding balance. And I think we've all come to know that it's really silly. There is no balance really in in your day. I think it's more about learning to, um, as we were talking about before the interview started, you know, when things take a turn, to be able to pivot, right? right. Um, but finding balance is something that's important, and I think we should try to do as working women. What when we use that word, that term, tell me how you apply it to your day-to-day with everything that you're doing. What brings you a sense of balance? This, I have to say, over the years, particularly since I started working with my daughter on the foundation, is, is realizing balance, that I don't have two lives. I don't have a personal life and a professional life. They're really one and the same. And I wish that more people would view it that way. And so I think for them to come together, you have to be happy in both of those environments. Right. So if you have a, whether it's a career or whatever you're doing, that you feel good about, that you're happy about, um, and try to find happiness in your personal life, whether that's spiritually or your family, Mm -hmm. um, that to me is balance. Yeah. Keep being able to... to, um, bring together your, your professional and personal lives and make sure that it's all kind of moving in sync, I guess. Right, that it's yeah, in that sync and sense. that you find joy and happiness in, in that yeah. and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're almost out of time, so I just want to give you an opportunity mm-hmm. to um, share anything about the foundation that you would like our listeners to know, um, any of the initiatives that, that you're working on that you would want people to learn. Thank you. I, I would love to, them to know. And, and briefly, I can share that, you know, our mission is we come at it from building a generation that is kinder and braver. Uh, the brave part, when my daughter first mentioned this to me, I didn't quite understand I, what she meant by bravery. But what she meant was having the skill set to really deal with the struggles that you're having. Mm. So the way that we um, incorporate that into our work is by focusing on three areas. One is awareness around kindness and engaging young people in acts of kindness. Um, The second is creating positive climates for them. And social-emotional learning is one area we focus. And that's positive climates, whether it's at school, um, home, in your communities. And then the third area is their their mental wellness. Uh, I call it wellness of mind and wellness of body. So all of our programs are actually focused around that. Um, I'll speak very briefly to the hashtag share kindness partnership that we have with NBC this month, which we are so grateful for. It's wonderful. Um, It's a beautiful experience. We're actually in a physical space Mm -hmm. um, at 30 Rockefeller Center, right near the plaza and the the holiday tree, right? Yeah, and it's, uh, it's think of it as a curated journey where the public can come in and participate uh, in acts of kindness and choose things to do. And we've mm-hmm. we believe very much in partnering with other organizations so that we can all scale our work and help young people. So we've partnered with Kids Food Basket, 
um, who provides some 7,000 uh, meals to children in need. And you can decorate a, a lunch bag. Yeah, you know, we for saw them. that downstairs. It's, it's so, so it's great. great. It's so great. Uh, a company uh, called Minted uh, donated 20,000 cards to us. So you can write a card to a child who might be in the hospital during the holidays, uh, a veteran or a military you know, hero who is deployed, who won't be home for the holidays. So you can kind of curate through these different acts of kindness and take it a pause and, and experience. Them, yeah, to walk through that exhibit with with your right. young, with your child, I think is such a teachable moment. Very teachable moment. Yeah. So that's we would love. You know, it's it's here through December the twenty third. Okay. Uh, that's one example. We've done some work in the area of online harassment. Uh, four out of uh, seven, I'm sorry, seven out of ten young people uh, are harassed online. Mm -hmm. And so we've been working very hard on reducing the frequency and severity of that. Um, so there's there's a number of initiatives. We've partnered with Mattel um, as well uh, around kindness and positive school climates. Uh, it's kindness.edu. Okay. Uh, so we're very big on partnering so that we can all scale. Hel helping young people is uh, far greater than one individual. Yeah. It's far greater than Born This Way Foundation, far greater than, than my, you know, all my daughter's followers. So we really need to partner with other like-minded organizations. Yeah. So, and we thank NBC for that. Yeah. Well, this I thank you so much. I for, thank you so for much for sitting this was with such me a today. I really yeah. appreciate it, and we'll be sure to um, spread the word to all of our uh, listeners and, and let them know what you're doing. Thank you. It's and we're at work. we're at Born This Way Dot Foundation. Born This Way Dot Foundation. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much.